Hey everyone, I'm Jen Garrett and welcome to the Move the Ball podcast. On this podcast, we are going to talk about how to succeed in business and in life by putting winning strategies into practice to help you advance faster. So if you're looking to move forward and reach that next level of greatness, then you are in the right place. Now get ready. Let's suit up, show up and move the ball. Hey everyone, Jen Garrett here. It's so great to be back with you on another episode of Move the Ball. Today, inside the huddle with us and ready to help us to move the ball is Jamal Sylvester. Jamal Mr. Me Too Sylvester is a motivational teacher, certified youth specialist, influencer, and former college basketball athlete. Jamal is also the CEO of Beauty for Ashes, Inc., which we will also talk about later in the show. So let's jump right in. Jamal, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Well, I can't believe it's been about four months since uh, I saw you the last time I was in Indy. Uh, it was the week of the NFL Combine, and you and I were both speaking at Melanie's Everyday Leaders Conference, which was fantastic. But it seems like the time has kind of just flown by. And so I'm really excited to chat with you today. So since you're from Chicago, like me, let's start off our conversation with share with us, you, you being a kid growing up on the west side of Chicago and basketball wasn't your sport of choice. So talk to us about what was and then how you got into basketball. All righty. Well, of course, we're talking about the early to mid 80s. And so at that time, this is BMJ. This is before Michael Jordan. So the, the talk of the town of course, was Walter Payton and the Chicago Bears. Uh, you know, we had won the Super Bowl, and so we were still kind of riding high on that, and every kid in my neighborhood wanted to be Walter Payton, including myself. And so that's what I did. I played football every day from sunup to sundown. I have so many scar battle scars to prove it. We would play tackle football on the concrete in the middle of the street, and I know it sounds crazy, but that's what we were doing. Uh, and, you know, like I said, Walter Payton was was it for me. He was he was everything. He had the character. Uh, he was a phenomenal athlete. And he he was running over everybody in the NFL and had been doing it for quite some time. And so he was a great role model to look up to. Uh, I'm not a very big kid. I'm very thin. Uh, but I think playing football and emulating uh, Walter Payton gave me a toughness that I was able to take over into basketball and I got into basketball when I moved to Indiana. I began to get into trouble uh, and my mom uh, decided to to ship me to South Bend, Indiana. And of course, you know, we talk about football in Chicago and and, and Indiana uh, is corn and then it's basketball. And so I picked up a basketball and I quickly fell in love with it. Uh, that's how I transitioned from football to basketball. Uh, I grew six inches in the summer uh, and they quickly, you know, was like, hey, uh, you're the tallest kid in the neighborhood, man. They put a basketball in my hand and it was like Frankenstein. They created a monster and I fell in love with it. And I began to put my everything into basketball. And like I said, I was able to transition uh, that toughness and that hard nose of playing tackle football on the concrete for so many years in Chicago, I was able to take that into basketball uh, and it helped uh, me become, you know, a phenomenal basketball player where I was able to garner some some prestigious awards uh, and recognition uh, over my uh, high school career as well as in college. 
Yes, you were on several all-star teams, breaking records, outplayed your competition. But share with us, before we talk about you playing in college, what was it about basketball that really intrigued you about the sport? You know, like like any kid, we all dream. Uh, and so as, as you watched uh, basketball, uh, you saw guys like Larry Bird and Magic Johnson and Dr. J. And then, of course, the, the GOAT, uh, Michael, who came along and uh, they 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 allow you know me to escape my current reality. Uh, you know I grew up you know in a, a low socioeconomic environment, uh, and when the NBA games would be on, uh, I I would often dream and go into La La Land, and I would put myself out there in those games. And so being able to have people like that to be able to see and emulate and watch what they do, and then go to the park. And, and practice their moves or try their moves. Uh, it was, you know, it was something, you know, that gave me hope and it, it inspired me to to say that, you know what, if I practice and if I work hard enough, you know, someday or one day that could be me. And so uh, just being able to see, you know, the things that they were able to do, uh, of course, the money, uh, but just the fame and the notoriety and and just how people talked about them. And I knew that if I, if I worked hard enough and that, you know, I put myself in a position to get there that I could also change my neighborhood and I could change my community and I could change my family lives. And so, you know, that was probably the, you know, the biggest thing that, you know, I saw that if I put the time, effort and energy uh, into my craft, that uh, what I put into basketball, basketball would reward and give back to me. And you mentioned a number of great players, uh, Larry Bird, uh, Magic Johnson, Dr. J, Michael Jordan. When you look at those, I mean, very, very talented on the court, but just great leaders, great people, truly excelled in all areas of life. But what is it about them that you think outside of the talent that makes them just great, uh, great players in life, great athletes on the court? I think when you talk about success and it doesn't matter whether it's sports or if it's Elon Musk or, you know, if it's a Steve Jobs, no matter what it is. When we talk about success there, there's probably one thing that all of those people have in common and it's discipline. And you have to be disciplined because there's a lot of a lot of sacrifice that comes with greatness. And in order to achieve greatness at the level that each one of those people that we've named uh, there's a lot of discipline that come with that. And so I think that the thing that I've taken the most from from those great uh, athletes and even uh, those great businessmen, it's the discipline, the discipline to get up at four o'clock in the morning, not just on Monday, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday and bring the same energy every day. I think that, you know, discipline and then discipline breeds consistency. And so if you can if you can train yourself to be disciplined, all of the other things will fall into place. I really like that. Thank you for sharing that. So you mentioned earlier, you know, you broke records in high school, all-star teams. You ended up getting uh, opportunities uh, to play college basketball, uh, attention from Division One schools. Tell us, where did you end up going and what was that college experience like for you? Uh, I had originally signed to play for Kansas State. But at the time, I was only 17. And so, of course, you have to be 18 in order to just sign your scholarship, you know, yourself. So I had to go back home and I had to have, you know, my guardian uh, sign my 
my uh, scholarship papers. And I got home and I ended up getting a phone call from Rick, Rick Majerus. Uh, may, may he rest in peace. A phenomenal coach, great guy, great personality. And he wooed me. I never, I had never set foot in Muncie. It was a phone call. And I was like, you know what? I'm signing. Uh, and I finally took my visit and went. And right after I signed, Rick Majerus ended up getting the coaching job in Utah. He wanted to take me to Utah with him, but me coming from Chicago, going to South Bend, I'm like, I don't know if me and Utah would mix. And so I'm like, you know what? I think I'm going to stay at Ball State. Uh, and I stayed with Coach Hunsaker at Ball State. Uh, and I had a maybe 10 to 15 years ago, I wouldn't have said this, but I can see it now. Uh, I had a, a really good career. I scored over 1,200 points, had over 500 rebounds. But I'm probably my own worst critic, and I feel like had some things not went the way that they went, I think that I would have scored even more points. But out of my four-year career at Ball State, I found a way to get kicked off the team three out of four years. Freshman year, I got suspended for four games for academics because I wasn't going to class. Sophomore year, I got suspended for four games by the NCAA uh, for using an unauthorized uh, phone card. Uh, junior year, played the entire season, probably was my best year uh, overall. Uh, we won the MAC conference. We went to the NCAA tournament. I led the team in scoring coming off the bench. I was first team all conference. And so that just kind of built the momentum going into my senior year where it's like, you know what, now it's time. Now it's time to make that NBA dream a reality. And uh, December 19th, uh, December 15th, I was in the NCAA news. I was 27th in the nation in scoring. Uh, go to practice uh, December 19th. The practice is a heated practice. Uh, you know, we're kind of, we're getting into each other. I'm not liking how I'm getting fouled. Coach, you know, is not making calls. And so, you know, I, I make a, a, a statement and you have to watch what you say because the moment that I uttered the words, if someone fouls me, you know, really hard again, I'm going to see if I can. And what happened next was I ended up punching my teammate. Uh, and it was one of the worst decisions that I've ever made in my life because it changed the trajectory of my life, not just my basketball career, my life in general, because what happened after that, I wasn't ready for. And I didn't think, you know, this punch would, would, would cause this ripple effect that would last uh, somewhat of 20 years. And so I punched my teammate and I got kicked off the team. Uh, here I am, 27th in the nation in scoring. I averaging 24 points a game, seven rebounds. And you would think that how could someone in that position, those are some great numbers. How could you do that? You know, at that time, it's a lot of stress. You know, uh, when you grow up the way that I grew up and, you know, as I said before, dreaming of going to the NBA and knowing that I have the potential of changing not just my life, but my family's lives. Uh, you take on a lot of pressure and a lot of stress because now it's not just my dream. It's my family's dream. It's my neighborhood's dream. It's my city dream. And so I was carrying that weight uh, and I didn't have the tools uh, to be able to process and navigate through the pressures of being a division one student and then being a division one athlete. And, you know, I dropped the ball and I paid dearly for it. Talk to us about the journey after that. What happened and what did you do? Ooh, wow. Uh, man, I, I Star Trek for two years. Uh, I ended up quitting school. 
I went back home and, you know, of course, you know, like everybody else, everybody's like, what's going on? Why are you home? You know, what's going on with the NBA? And, you know, I would tell one lie and then I would have to tell another lie. And then the NBA draft had came and gone and I was still at home. And, uh, you know, I, I began to become depressed. Uh, but luckily I had, you know, some close friends and family. And then I had a mentor who was able uh, to kind of help talk me out of that depression. And I was able to get a job to go play ball overseas. And I played overseas for a couple of years before having a career ending uh, knee injury. I broke my kneecap uh, in December of 1999. Me playing professional basketball uh, was over. And so you talking about a kid who I put everything in the basketball basket, in the NBA basket. I didn't go to Ball State to, to study to be a doctor or a lawyer or a teacher, you know, while I took those classes, that wasn't my, my priority. My priority was, was basketball and basketball only. Uh, and, you know, like a lot of other people, I'm sure uh, that'll hear this, uh, uh, th- this podcast or, or, or probably can, can think back to being in that situation where, you know, you put everything into this one thing. And then when it doesn't go right, you don't have anything in place. You don't have a plan B. You don't have a plan C. And so I didn't know what I was going to do. Uh, and you know, like I said, man, I've always had a, a strong, I don't want to say support system, uh, but that's what it ultimately ends up being. But I had a few people that were in my life who were very close to me who uh, were able to speak life into my situation. And uh, I began to, you know, work with young people and I got a career uh, in working with adolescent teens and I found something that gave me the same joy uh, that I got when I was on a court. And it was, you know, just being able to to sit and work with people and talk people and kind of help them through their situations. And uh, what was started off being a job for me uh, ultimately became a career. And I've been working in that work uh, and in that space and that field in the human services for the last 20 plus years. And uh, it's been very rewarding to see that uh, even someone who has gone through and done some of the things that I've done, the good and the bad, that I'm, I'm still relevant and I'm still able to take those lived experiences, no matter how bad, and I'm able to share them with, with people young and old to help them through their situations. And, and it's been a great ride. It's been a wild ride, but it's been a great ride. And I'm thankful, you know, that God has allowed me to to endure uh, and, you know, through his grace and his mercy that I'm still here and I'm able to impart and impact other people's lives. Well, I'm glad you're here with us today sharing your story. And uh, one thing that I mentioned when I uh, introduced you to the show, I said that you were, you know, Mr. Me Too, Sylvester. And so let me ask you about that. Why do you uh, use the term Mr. Me Too? Share with us what that means to you. Well, and it's definitely in no disrespect to the uh, to the Me Too movement. It's a culmination of, of 48 years of lived experiences and being Jamal Sylvester and working in the youth work and human services. I would find myself uh, sharing my story, you know, with people to kind of build that rapport and kind of, you know, level the playing field and letting them know that, you know, hey, I'm no different than you. I've had my set of barriers and I've had my set of, you know, circumstances and things that have gone wrong. And as I would share my story, you know, with them, it would 
lower the anxiety and kind of, you know, make them feel vulnerable that they would begin to share their stories. And as they shared their stories with me, I would I would tell them, guess what? Me too. Because while I can empathize with whatever it is, you know, they would share with me. The one thing that I know is that uh, I can empathize with your story. But in order for me to truly help you get to where you want to be and get out of your current circumstance, I can't let you off the hook. And I think that some people over empathize and they allow people to stay stuck. And uh, I know that God put it in me and he put it on my life. And this is not a job for me. It's a calling. And so I know that I have a job that I have to do uh, and I have a responsibility to empathize, but then hold people accountable to what they said that they want to do with their lives. Well, that's so great. And as I was listening to you talk, you reminded me about how when as leaders, when we are in our own space and connecting with people, the way you're going to connect even more so with them is if you can get them to see that you're just like them, right? Me too. They're just like you. So being vulnerable, sharing those stories that you can connect with with people will make you a better leader because people will want to be in your circle and follow you and be a part of your team if they feel like they have that connection. And then the accountability piece that you mentioned as well is also very important is, you know, you have to hold people accountable to make sure they don't remain stuck in whatever situation it is that they're in. So let me ask you, so you mentioned that you you, know, you left school, but you came back to school and you ended up getting your degree after 24 years. So talk to us about that. It's been a wild ride. And so I am a three-time, former three-time college dropout. Uh, I used to be very ashamed of that, but I am so inspired and I am so happy to be able to say that, and especially using the word former, uh, because that's no longer the title that I carry. I am now a college graduate. And uh, it was only because uh, I decided that I was going to move out of my own way. A lot of times we all have barriers and we have things that are in our place, but ultimately, I know that I have always been my own worst enemy and I would always find an excuse on why I didn't push through or why I didn't persist through. And so I I went back in 2005, uh, took a couple of classes, was doing well. Life happened, found a way to quit. Went back in 2011. Life happened. Of course, you know, I'm going, going, found a way to quit. I decided in December 2017 that I was not going to let anything, not family, not friends, not my job, not my calling. I wasn't going to let anything get in my way because in some of my jobs and working with young people, one of my, my job titles was college and career readiness. And here I am stressing to young people the importance of going to school, you know, going to college, getting a degree. And I'm like, man, how can I talk to these kids and hammer it home and talk to them about the importance of it? And I didn't even practice, you know, what it is that I'm telling them. And so I went back. I was able to take advantage of the NCAA uh, Division One uh, uh, degree completion program. Everything was paid for. I went back two semesters. I knocked out all of the classes that I needed. 4.0 GPA both semesters. I was on the dean's list and I proudly floated. I didn't walk. I proudly floated across the stage July 21st, 2018. And it is one of the greatest moments of my life. I know the things that I endured 28 years later that I was able to finish what I started. I know that I can endure anything. And I hope that, you know, if, if anybody doesn't take anything from 
this show is that, man, if you're willing to go through it, trust me, if you're willing for me, if you don't mind, it don't matter. And that's been my motto. If I don't mind, of course, it's going to be hard. It's going to be tough. You're going to have your bad days. But for me, if I don't mind, it don't matter. I don't care what it is. Uh, If I go into it with the right attitude, God has equipped me and he's surrounded me with the right people that no matter the circumstance or obstacle, I'm able to overcome it. I love that. I just hope that uh, people listening, I mean, it's, it should be a reminder that it's never too late to focus on what's important to you. And so, you know, if you've had something that you've kind of uh, put on the back burner and maybe you're thinking that, well, why bother now? It's been so long. It's never too late. If something's important to you, then, you know, just commit to it and, and get after it. So what would you say, Jamal, to those who may have started something and have been thinking about it and, and tempted to quit or those that have quit and are considering getting back into it? What guidance can you give them when they're having these moments of struggle and 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 thinking about you know maybe i need to just hang it up what would you give them what kind of advice to to, uh, help them stay inspired stay motivated to keep going well for me is it's always going back to the why simon sinek talks about the why you know when we figure out your why who what when where and how none of that other stuff doesn't even matter when you know why and so it's, it's, it's getting back in touch with your why. You chose to have that career. Or you chose to, to play that sport or you chose to do whatever it is that you were doing and you stopped doing it. I get it. Life hurts sometimes. No, let me rephrase. Life hurts a lot of the time. But uh, we have to remember that uh, you put that time, that energy and effort into whatever it was that you were in. You know, for me, I had to look back and say that there's no way that I was going to put that much time and effort and energy into something for me to not, not for me to tell me that I couldn't do it. No, this thing, whatever it is, whether it was the NBA or whether it was the job, something else was going to have to tell me that I wasn't good enough. I wasn't going to allow just because I ran into a tough time. And and, and part of what I've gone through has allowed me to even write a book. And so my book is called Dream Another Dream. Uh, It was a longer title, but I've shortened it uh, because I think that for a lot of people, we get so focused uh, and laser focused on this one dream. But when reality, God has given us so many dreams, but we choose to focus on this one thing. And I think that when we do that, we don't allow ourselves to to grow into what God truly has in store for us. And so, okay, if it doesn't work out, it's okay to dream another dream or it's okay to remember that other dream that you also uh, was passionate about, that you also enjoy. And so don't get caught up on it. You know, it's okay. You know, and it's okay to go back, dust it, dust it off and say, you know what? Yeah, I probably, you know, I set this down for two or three years, but you know what? I think I'm feeling some type of way right now. I think I want to, you know, get back, you know, into the groove and get back into it. And, uh, you know, find some accountability partners and find some other people who are also on that same journey who have, you know, for whatever reason, allow life to knock them down, but they've decided to get back up. And then you guys go through it together. One of the things that you're doing now is you know, you're focusing on doing more speaking events and you've got an upcoming event, July 17th and 18th. Tell us a little bit about uh, that conference. Uh, yes, uh, it's the, the schema conference. It's 
It's normally in-person conference, but of course, like everything else due to COVID, we can't do it in person. And so we're doing a virtual uh, experience. And with this conference, uh, it's mainly an event where it's about development of actionable solutions focused on social, cultural, holistic, educational, emotional, ethical, mental, athletic, and academic, which which are acronyms for the word schema. For people who are uh, in K through 12 and uh, who are also involved in collegiate athletics, whether that be coaches, uh, whether that be athletic administrators, whether that be managers, uh, it's a phenomenal conference. I've been following them for the last couple of years. Uh, You get CEU credits for being a part of it. If you're someone who is looking for professional development uh, opportunities, I strongly suggest uh, you sign up. There's a link. We'll get that information to you. If you sign up, use Mr. Me Too Indy. Uh, that's MM2 Indy uh, as a code uh, when they ask you, you know, uh, to register. And how did you find out about it? Like I said, it's going to be phenomenal. I'm I'm going to be speaking and I'm going to be talking about the whole athlete. A lot of times we get into school and we participate in sports. And for a lot of us, we just want to be athlete, athlete. And we don't understand that it's a student athlete and we don't always uphold the student part of it. And for me, I had to learn the hard way that uh, while I was an A athlete, I was putting forth C effort in the classroom. And that's not the case. If you're a phenomenal athlete, you should be a phenomenal student because everything that we do on the court or on the field or, uh, you know, whatever your sport is, all of those things translate into the classroom because we build a certain type of a, a regiment and a certain type of tenacity about ourselves as athletes that, so you know something about doing one more, you know something about working on something that you're not good at. So if you're not good in math or English or social studies, it's no different than you not having a good backhand in tennis. You practice. It's not, it's no different than you not being a, a good jump uh, jump shooter to you becoming a great jump shooter. Why? Because you practice. And so those things are the very same things that you should translate over into the classroom. And I think that this conference has phenomenal speakers and facilitators who are going to provide you with lessons, uh, skills uh, and uh, tactics that and tips that you could take, you know, into your everyday life, whether you're an athlete or you're, uh, you know, on the coaching side of it that can help you, you know, prolong your career. Well, thanks for sharing. That's awesome. Sounds like a fantastic event. We are going to have the link in the show notes as well as the code that you can enter uh, to register. So I highly encourage those listening to check it out. It's virtual and uh, there's going to be a great lineup of of guests speaking, including Jamal. So thanks for sharing that, Jamal. I know that uh, you're also looking at doing more speaking events in sporting organizations, sports teams. So if anyone is interested in reaching out, to Jamal to talk about those type of speaking engagements. How can they connect with you, Jamal? You can connect with me on Instagram. Uh, my IG is uh, Mr. Underscore Me Underscore T-O-O Underscore Indy. Uh, I'm also on LinkedIn at Jamal, J-E-E-R-M-A-L, Mr. Me Too, Sylvester, S-Y-L-V-E-S-T-E-R. Or you can shoot me an email at M-M-T-O-O indy at gmail.com. Uh, I would really love to have the opportunity to come 
before your athletic programs or before your youth organizations or before your company. I think that uh, oftentimes as athletes, we get pigeonholed and think that we're only beneficial to talking to athletes. And I think that the things that we learn uh, in obtaining some of the the accolades or going through the things that we go through uh, on the athletic side uh, also translate over into the boardroom or over uh, into careers. And so uh, I would love to be able to, you know, speak to your business as well. I bring a lot to the table. And I think that once I get uh, in front of your people, I think that I can inspire uh, and activate uh, those things that on the inside that oftentimes we forget that we even have those things because we've been doing them innately on our day-to-day you know, lives. Allow me to come in and uh, uh, teach you how to tap into that warrior on the inside. Great. And we'll put all of those into the show notes as well as your email so people can reach out to you. So what I want to do now is I want to transition to what I call my two-minute drill where I'm going to just ask you seven Quick questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, here we go. What's your favorite food? Barbecue chicken. Okay, how about what's your favorite movie? Coming to America. Oh, that's a good one from back in the day. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I used to, when I was a kid, I used to watch it over and over. I recorded it on my VHS uh, recorder for those that some <laughs> people listening may not know what that is. But anyway, <laughs> um, I used to record it and then I just play it over and over and over. Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall were just, uh, they were a great pair. Yes. All right. How about what is your favorite sports team, professional sports team? Favorite professional sports. That's, that's tough because of this new era. If you'd asked me this in the 90s, I would have said the Bulls. But because there's no loyalty in sports from teams or players, uh, I don't think that I have a a favorite team, per se, right now. Let's let's just say the Lakers because I'm a LeBron fan. So I'll say. Okay, so I was going to ask you then, who was your favorite athlete? So are you going with LeBron? I'm going with LeBron. Okay. Uh, How about what is the best piece of advice you've gotten from a coach or a mentor? Probably showing up, showing up, just showing up and and bringing my A game uh, every day, regardless of how I felt or what was going on, you know, but showing up and bringing uh, bringing my my hard hat and my lunch pail to work every day. Gotcha. I think showing up is important and it's part of my signature phrase too. So um, yeah, showing up, being present, bringing your A game is very important. I'm going to flip it now and ask you, what's the best piece of advice that you would give someone? Be true to yourself. I like that. Very nice. Be true to yourself. Because I think oftentimes we get we get caught up in what what's going on on social media, what's going on, you know, in the world and we begin to try to live for other people or live like other people instead of just being true to ourselves and being authentic. No, that's, that's great. Okay. My next question is what is one thing that most people don't know about you? That I won the sixth grade spelling bee in elementary school. Oh, nice. That's awesome. I never got to do the spelling bee. I don't know why, but that's great. I used to watch it on TV, the national spelling bee. Yeah, I didn't get that far, but (laughs) there you go. That's awesome. All right. My last question is, if you could be any superhero, who would you be and why? Batman, because Batman, out of all of the superheroes, he was the one that didn't have any power. 
you know, Superman, you know, could fly and had X-ray vision and superhuman strength. And, you know, Wonder Woman had, you know, but Batman was, you know, just this, he was Bruce Wayne, but he was an intellectual, you know, he had to work on his gifts. And, you know, so he had to train and he had to be at peak performance mentally, physically and emotionally. Uh, And the one thing that I loved about Batman the most was that uh, he was a detective. Batman always studied whoever his opponent was, whether it was Superman, and he found your weakness. And whenever you came up against him, he would always get you because he would put in that work. And so for me, it would be Batman. That's a great answer. Thank you for sharing that. All right. So as we wrap up today's show, any last thoughts for our listeners? Man, stay true to yourself. Think about your why. Think about why you're doing what you're doing. Uh, I always and oftentimes I revisit my why at least three times a day because life can be get dreadful. Uh, the day to day, you know, dread of getting up and going to work, kids and just all of the stuff that comes with being a what we call adulting. Uh, you know, I oftentimes have to remind myself of my why and why I do what I do. Uh, and when I think about my why, I instantly get recharged and re-energized because my why is my everything. Uh, and my why is what gets me up. And I wake up every day before my alarm clock goes off because of my why. I love that. Yes, we should all be reconnected with our why. And if we don't know what our why is, then we should start with figuring out what that purpose is. And you mentioned Simon Sinek uh, earlier in the show. He's got some great books that can help people to kind of figure out what that why is. So uh, go check those out, too. Well, Jamal, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been a pleasure having you on today. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, It's it's an honor uh, and a privilege. And uh, it's amazing what uh, one introduction can can do. We met February 29th, uh, 2020. And, you know, look, we haven't lost contact with each other since then, even in the midst of COVID. And so I'm very appreciative of Melanie allowing us to connect and become a part of each other's tribe. So I thank you. Absolutely. Well, I love having you uh, in my tribe, in my network, and we will move the ball. So thank you again. And thanks again to everyone for listening. And we will talk to you on the next episode. If you haven't already done so, hit that subscribe button so that you're always in the loop, always in the know for when the next episode is released. And if you feel like it, leave us a review too. Until next time, make sure that you suit up, you show up, and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball, check out my website at www.jenniferagarrett.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.